Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Monday, October 24th, 2022. For another special edition here of Hockey Night in New York, Chris Botta joining me. My name is Sean Cuthbert, and Mr. Arda O'Cal from ESPN will be joining us to talk about the latest on the New York Islanders. Chris Botta. How are you? I'm doing great, Sean. How are you? I'm doing very well. The Islanders, however, not doing as well. We we talked about a positive start a week ago, and, and here we are after a, a three-game losing streak, and the Islanders find themselves two and four. How do we feel about that, Chris? I mean, personally, I feel fine. <laughs> You're still sleeping tonight? <laughs> Look, we when we set out to do this podcast, and Christian, like this season... We knew that this was going to be a little bit different. Right. There are teams in the NHL who uh, slow start or fast start won't matter that much, right? There's the, there's the top of the food chain, the teams that, you know, they might not be Stanley Cup contenders, but they'll be good enough to get into the dance. There's teams like Arizona and Anaheim who, you know, would be massive long shots, and, and, and their storylines are different. But the Islanders are in this pretty select group of teams. I think Buffalo would be somebody who would be in that group. New Jersey comes to mind where you're going to be looking at it from week to week. And that makes for good podcasts. That makes for good coverage. And, you know, I thought Kevin's piece, Kevin Curtis piece in the athletic was great. I know Mm -hmm. Andrew has a piece that Andrew Gross has a piece that posted on newsday.com as well. Um, This is going to be a story from week to week. I don't think we'll know fully what this team is for a while. If you're an Islander fan, if you really care about this team, you're hoping it's a roller coaster because that means it's going up and coming down. <laughs> I suppose so. Right? Yeah. So um, all of that said, there are trouble signs. Yes. Um, we. I liked the first loss against Florida on the home opener. I thought there were things that, you know, then there's the homecoming game against Anaheim. And that, okay, that was fine. Everybody had fun. You throw those out. Right. But where it starts is the Jersey game. I know the Florida games Mm. are what are most recent. But that Jersey game, they got their doors blown off. It was non-competitive. And I would ask... That in the back, and I would ask you, who who is closer to this team, who's more passionate about this team, um, you know, in the four years of yes, I'll say his name, Barry Trotz, <laughs> how many times when they had a full lineup, not counting the COVID stuff and the, the craziness last year, how many times can you count on one hand how many other uncompetitive crap tacklers they had? like they did against New Jersey, where there was nothing doing. I don't believe in not showing up. I think that's, you know, what does that mean? The guys don't care. You're going to tell me Casey Suzuki is a Calcutta. Right, right. right. But that that was alarming. It was. And then it's backed up by losses. So if it was that and then they came back, okay, fine. But then they play a team that played the night before, and they lost Florida. And they go to Tampa, and Kevin Kurz puts out the stat about uh, no – 
danger shots in the first two periods. He wrote right. about it at length today. Mm-hmm. It's not what the broadcast was saying on Sunday. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so, uh, but so there are. It's two things. We got a ways to go here. There's no reason to be like, oh no, it's the end of the world, which a lot of, some people are saying, and I get it. I appreciate the passion there, mm. but to try to pretend that there isn't cause for concern is silly. And it goes back to me. It it really begins and ends with that New Jersey game. No, Chris, I agree with you. And before we dive into the meat and potatoes of the show here, just want to remind everybody that we are proud to be presented by Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip, and of course, UBS Arena at Belmont. Check them out at bluelinedeli.com. And of course, Happy to be sponsored by R.J. Daniels American Bar and Grill, located at 279A Sunrise Highway in Rockville Center. And, of course, proud to be sponsored by Lost Farmer Brewing Company at 63A 2nd Street in Mineola. Go ahead and check out the tap room over there. Great stuff going on. So, Chris... But, to- now, I see, but now I feel bad that I talk so long, and then you went into sponsors. Was I, is the, am I supposed to go, like, 10 seconds, and then you hit the sponsor? I, I was, was expecting... Was I supposed to just be like... Oh, I don't know. Today's episode is brought by... <laughs> I was expecting a more concise response, but that's fine. I let you have your day in the sun there, and, and that's fine. Eh? Good night. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally fine. We got the sponsors in. We're good to go. So now I'll, I'll follow up by agreeing with you that the devil game was was a bit of an alarm. And and I think because of how they followed up that game, it, it it's, it's a legitimate alarm. Because, you know, if you have a game like that and you're able to bounce back against two good teams like Tampa and Florida, okay, you throw that one away a little bit, right? But the fact that they really got outclassed by the Devils in that game, I mean, they they looked like a slower team. It looked like youth versus age in that, in that game. And I think that's going to be a theme for this season for the Islanders, especially if they continue to struggle. Because that's something that's that's been brought up over the last couple of seasons, and 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 you know was kind of pointed at last year as a part of one of the reasons why they were struggling last season. Forget about all the other excuses or and whatnot. And you look at you know the core of their their forwards, and and you see guys like Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, Kyle Palmieri, all on the wrong side of thirty. And you know you wonder if that's something that's catching up to this team, especially when you play somebody like the New Jersey Devils, who is a young rebuilding team who's kind of trying to take that next step like the Rangers have recently, right? Where they hoarded some draft picks. They have some good young players like Nico Heischer there with the team now. And, and they kind of ran circles around them in that game. And, you know, look, as a fan, you always kind of reach for, for different explanations. You try to, you know, look at different points of view. Is it because it's a new coach and a semi new system there? Everybody's talking about the new system and all that. Is that, is there still growing pains with that? Or is this just what the Islanders are going to be this season where they're going to be pretty good against the bad teams like Anaheim and San Jose and they're going to struggle against the younger and more up-tempo teams? And I think it's still too small a sample size to have a definitive answer to that. And we're only six games in. You can start the season two and four and still end with a successful season. And, and that's what we're all crossing our fingers for here now. But knowing what happened last year and with the way that they've started now – yeah, there's there's some small little alarm bells going off that can get a little bit louder if come Wednesday and, and these upcoming games here and they continue to struggle, then it's it's going to be a bit of an issue. Yeah, they go to Tampa, who the night before played their biggest rival in Florida against the Panthers, and I thought that would be a game that would just be primed for a typical Lou Lamorello-era Islanders 
turnaround. Like we, we, we just put that Jersey game in our rearview mirror. We took it to Tampa and that didn't happen. And then Sunday night was Sunday night against Florida. We said on this show a week ago that, you know, we, the, the big storyline was the defenseman getting all the goals and, and the carrying right. the puck. And, right. and we actually said in one moment, we discussed this idea that there was going to come a game where they would lose 4-1 and they kind of <laughs> yeah. get burned by that. And then people, now I didn't think that was going to happen. I wish I was this smart. We didn't think it was going <laughs> right. to happen against Jersey at home the way it did. But, you know, that, you know, that's the one that's going to stick for a while. Um, before we went to the sponsor break, um, <laughs> I asked you, a, I asked you a question, darn it. Um, and, and that it. was, uh, were there, can you think of a, were there more than three stink bombs in the Barry Trotz era um, that was that were like that Devil game where you walked out of it? We we didn't see that until last season. Mm-hmm. We did not see that. So the first three seasons, I would say no. You know, maybe one or two over the course of a, I guess what fifty eight game season. I can't even say eighty two with reference right. to those years. But no, they they nine and a half times out of ten showed up to play and were competitive. They were in most games. And it wasn't until last season where they kind of went off the rails a little bit. And I also think it didn't happen until last season. It might have been the one prior, but I think it was last season where Barry Trotz lost three games in regulation in a row. It only took Lane Lambert six. Ooh. Yeah. So now here's another piece of what's happened the last couple of days. We've had a game where Josh Bailey was scratched healthy right away. All the fans saying, well, good for Lane because Barry would never do it. Barry did it twice (laughs) uh, last year. Um, And Ovillier scratched on Sunday. Your thoughts, Sean Cuthbert? Uh, Sean Cuthbert was surprised. I was. Um, Taking them individually, both? Yeah, I do. And because I think, you know, whether you want to just point at Barry Trotz, I mean, most other coaches do hesitate to scratch their veterans. And you know Bavillier's on the the younger side of the ledger here, but he's not a he's not a rookie. Any, you know he's not a young guy anymore in the sense that he's been in the league for a long time. He's a veteran. He's a twenty something veteran at this point, right? And you and you think that he's a guy who's who's solidified his position. So I was surprised, but I do also say good for Lane in the sense that he's not afraid to do it. And I just wonder. You know, when you have that going on and with a lot of line juggling already happening in the early going here, and I believe Kevin Kurz referred to this in his piece, you know, does that does that smell of desperation a little bit? Is that is that him looking at the the way the team's been playing in this last little handful of games and saying, you know, I gotta get something that clicks here? Or should he been more of the mindset of, hey, we just got started. I gotta stick with this so that these guys can get some chemistry and get used to this new system. So I wonder if he was a little quick on the trigger to make those sorts of decisions. But either way, I'm surprised uh, at see, especially seeing Bailey getting scratched on the Beauvillier front. My take is that there was something in the Florida game or things that he wasn't getting from Bo that made him decide I got to teach this guy a lesson now. Teach this guy. Unless it sounds a little harsh, right? But I, I need to let him sit and watch. And we do know with Beauvillier, when he has been sat, when he comes back, he tends to be flying. Because, you know, and right? He, and right. then the key He's is been can, that kind of and the key is can he can can he sustain that? Right. And I think that might be a question 
throughout his career until he answers it emphatically consistently for a few years, which he hasn't done yet. But that's my take on that. But it comes back to that a decision was made that I would rather have Ross Johnston play in my lineup over Beauvillier. And that's, that's something. And now after the game, great moment uh, about, uh, I believe it was Kevin who asked the question to Lane about, you know, is there a thought about whether you have the horses here? Mm. And, and Lane said, we do. Now, a coach has got to say that. Of course. Especially in October because there's no moves imminent, right? Um, I think we have a question later on we, about, you know, how long do they wait? And, and we'll, we'll save mm-hmm. it for that. Mm-hmm. But you're not about to say, well, I'll talk to Lou about that. So Lane handled it the only way you can. I was with the Islanders. I was standing next to Bill Stewart when 25 yes, years ago, bring that up. famously, they got their butts kicked by the Rangers. It was non-competitive. And Bill Stewart, who was the interim coach at the time, was asked, about the game, and finally, by the sixth question, he got tired. He literally looked down the hallway, as if like down the Rangers hall, and he said, "Did and he said, did you see our lineup? Did you see their lineup? Oh yeah. You can't say that about oh, the guys yeah. who are going to work for you. Right. Um, and I, I know Lane loves his guys and believes them, and I, and I get all that. But that, that's so the the you know is it? You can't say that the fans or the media, or the blogosphere, or the podcast people are, overrea- are overreacting <laughs> when you are benching Josh Bailey, who's a, a well-paid in Beauvillier too, two well-paid uh, second, third-line players. You know, that, that that's a pretty rash thing. So this is compelling. This is fascinating. I think they beat the Rangers because the Rangers are uh, in trouble right now and the Rangers play Colorado the night before they play the Islanders. And I guess I'll add to this. If I'm if I'm putting money on DraftKings or whoever might sponsor us someday, um, I'm, <laughs> I'm putting it on the Islanders. If the Islanders don't win after the Rangers played the night before, and I know we've been there before, but this is, I think, an entirely different episode that we have a sport here where – a team sometimes plays a game the night after they've played a game. In this sport where we run into, where we crash into each other, right. where we fight, where we draw, and then the other team gets to watch it in their hotel room. So, you know, there, there is an advantage to the team that's got the night off. Sure. Um, of course. So if the Islanders come up short against the Rangers, who have some problems right now, uh, who I think will play Halak over Igor, uh, that's going to be, you know, that's that's the next step here. So, but they start with that game and they start to piece it back together. But boy, this is this is like kind of what you know. This isn't fun. We wish they were seven and zero or whatever. But right. this is interesting. They've already given us plenty to talk about, even more, I think, than we thought. No, I agree. And and just to wrap my thought on on Lane Lambert's decisions, if, if nothing else, it does send a message to his entire roster that your position on in this lineup is not secure. Palmieri could be next. Right, exactly. It could be any one of those guys. So maybe that's a good thing. We'll see. Some players, it rubs in the wrong way. Other players, they take the message in stride. They say, okay, I got to get my shit together, right? It can go any which way. We'll see. The, the book is yet to be written here. 
But For the record, Sean cursed first in this episode. Yeah, Chris, you've been very good the last couple of you times. You opened the door. I'm trying to, you know. That's fine. Hey, have fun. Okay. I want you to, I want you to be yourself, Chris. Okay. Thank <laughs> you, right. sir. So with that, folks, why don't we take a little break here? I want to thank you so much. For tuning in to Hockey Night New York on your favorite podcast providers. When we come back, ESPN's Arda Ocal will be joining us. We'll be right back. Hey, Islander fans. You already know Blue Line Deli and Bagels is the best place to get your game day meal. And now, you can get it at the game. Blue Line Deli and Bagels is proud to be featured in the brand new UBS Arena for all Islander games and live events as an official partner of the New York Islanders. Blue Line is also moving beyond Belmont opening its doors at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. So whether it's at the Islanders' new home, East Islip, or at the flagship deli at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, all three locations are eager to greet you with their familiar, friendly service and the best food around. So stop on in for delicious Bagel Boss bagels, hearty breakfast favorites, tasty hockey-themed heroes, freshly made smoothies, and so much more. And remember, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. It's a new Islander season, and you've got a great spot to catch all the action. RJ Daniels American Barn Grill in Rockville Center. Inside the bar or the heated outdoor patio, you won't miss any of the excitement on their wall-to-wall big-screen TVs and in-game sound. Enjoy it all with delicious food, drinks, and plenty of specials in a lively atmosphere staffed by the friendliest folks around. R.J. Daniels is in the heart of Rockville Center at 279A Sunrise Highway, just steps from the train station. So come on down. Watch the boys in blue and orange continue their quest for Lord Stanley with your fellow Islander diehards. And when the game's not on, stop by for a great meal and a great time seven days a week. Hang for the late night bar scene or book a party or catering for any occasion. Call 516-536-6258 to make reservations and go to rjdaniels.com to check out the menu. RJ Daniels American Bar and Grill, your home for New York Islanders hockey. Thanks for giving some time to our sponsors. Ready to talk more aisles? The train rolls on right here on Hockey Night in New York. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and Chris Botta. Joining us right now from ESPN is Mr. Arda Ocal. Arda, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing tonight? Always appreciate being on the show. I'm doing great. Hope you guys are the same. Hey Arda, how are you? It's Chris. I know. Uh, I'm, I mean, you're you're working constantly there, but I got the press release from PR. I know Thursday you're on with Linda and Barry uh, in studio during the Nashville St. Louis game. But boy, they keep you busy there, right? Because you're always doing in the crease and all the wrap up shows too. And how's it been going? Dream come true. Year two is in, is uh, upon us, and year one was awesome. I uh, got to do a lot of cool things, uh, including, like you said, you know, hosting the crease do a bunch of games. I did a couple playoff games, which was amazing. And now we get to do year two. And actually I got to do, well, much to the chagrin of the Islanders fans listening, but I got oh. to host the uh, Islanders Devils game last week, uh, which wasn't exactly the greatest game. I, I got to watch the Islanders not have a shot on goal in the first period <laughs> for the first 17 minutes. Great start. Uh, which was great start, which was, oh boy, that was a, 
that was a little tough for an Islanders fan for sure. But uh, but it was it was a fun game to do. Were you with uh, Callie that night? Yeah, I was with Callie that night, and then the next night for uh, the Battle of Florida. But Callie's awesome. He's so he's he's a ton of fun to watch games with because he'll just like point out things that you're not, you're not even thinking about. But uh, and he's he like if you were to give out a Calder Trophy uh, for for broadcasters. Uh, I would say Callie is definitely tops on that list from last season, and he's just crushing it this year too. He's 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 fantastic to work with. So you give it, you know, without like you know saying anything that might have been said off the record. I'm I'm fascinated by you and and Ryan Callahan, uh, who you know certainly bleeds Ranger blue, understandably, and and Tampa. Uh, but he's watching this Islander jersey game, and the so we we've already started the show and talking about the how that game against New Jersey was really concerning. Like you don't want to make too big a deal of it, but what was it like watching that with uh, Ryan and and, any, any insights from you and him that you could share of that game? He's, I mean, he's honest when he's watching a game. I mean, I think midway through the the first period, he even said, uh, he turned to me and he was like, did someone give the memo to the Islanders that the game started? You know, like it was, it, it just felt like one of those games where the devils, I mean, listen, I think people underestimate the Devils' offense. I think they have a really good offensive core, but I don't like. It was crazy to see how dominant they were, especially in that first period. They are a fa- like they do have fast skaters and they do have deceptive forwards. But it, like I said, it was like 17 minutes before the Islanders even had one shot on goal uh, in that game. And I mean, listen, it was. Not not expected. And, and let me be clear on something too, guys. I want before the season started. Now, don't get me wrong. Last year, maybe ESPN completely jinxed the Islanders because a lot of us picked them to win the Stanley Cup, myself included. Okay, <laughs> fine. I'm going to eat that. Okay, I'll happily eat crow on that. With that said, I also predicted this year that last year was an anomaly and the Islanders will make the playoffs. Which now six games in. Uh, with the way that they've been playing, uh, perhaps maybe there's a couple, not like five alarm yet, but maybe a couple of alarms are starting to ring. Maybe, maybe, maybe like those little dinner bells, just like not in the pole siren yet, but maybe a couple of games here or there. Well, fans, we, we have our scapegoat now, so at least we have that settled. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I will happily <laughs> take the brunt. Troll me. It's all my fault. I accept all the blame. <laughs> no. So actually, this is why I wanted to have you on. And also, I, I should mention, because it's it's historic, uh, Friday, you're going to be in the studio with Barry Melrose uh, when Butch Gross, uh, Bush, and uh, Leah have the Winnipeg at Arizona game. At Arizona, meaning the home opener of the newly opened Mullet Arena on the campus of Arizona State University, which is, a, which is an episode for another day. Um, but the reason I wanted to have you on is you happen to be in this business uh, one of the uh, kindest people and also one of the smartest. I'm not going to embarrass you by getting into all of your qualifications, but you're somebody who understands people, understands narratives, storytellings, and everything. And we are at this moment, you know, we talked about at the beginning of the show that the Islanders, we don't know what they're going to be, and we still don't. It's too early to tell. But there is concern after an okay start of two and one, the New Jersey game, and then going to Florida and going over two. To the people of Islanders country, you know, realistically, you had fun with us, you know, just earlier. But realistically, you know, what is your take on 
uh, how concerned should the fans be? I think that it should not be a high level of concern quite yet. I do. I, and listen, I've been talking with a lot of Islanders fans today in preparation for this. I talked to a bunch of my friends who are Islanders friends and I asked them to, and I gauged their levels of concern. And I know that the concern is high among many. It, it almost seems like the more diehard Islanders fan you are, the more dire it is. And I see a lot of people like clumping last season into their thoughts. It's almost like much of the same from last year or, or you know, the, the outlook, the doom and gloom, etc. To me, I would say we're still at the beginning stages of concern. Of course, when you start a season two and four, of course, the last game against the Panthers, I believe it was, was it natural stat trick that showed that the Islanders had one high danger chance the entire game and it was in the third period. Okay, I understand this. And I will also say, though, that it seems, and, and, and the Devils game is also an example, like it seems like the Islanders come to life in the second half of the game. It's almost like the first half of the game is where they struggle the most. And, and also, I know, one thing I noticed was they're really great on the penalty kill, but then I worry about like the minute or two after the penalty kill. Like I, I wonder if, all right, we killed this penalty off, but then the team, when they're back to even strength, the opposing team are still getting chances. Not as if they're on the power play, but they're still getting uh, chances or they, they have the momentum as if the power play momentum continued uh, into like that extra minute uh, on even strength. So yes. Okay. If you're saying, are there things that can be worked on? Of course, every team has that, but yes, there are certain, there are things that the Islanders could look at and say, we need to uh, fix this. Are they going to try different line combinations offensively? Do they need to unlock uh, some of their players that, performed better last season of course they do there's definitely some areas of improvement am i is is it, is it doom and gloom in my mind as a neutral observer looking on the outside not quite yet no i i, I do i do understand that people say you can you can't win uh, you can't make the playoffs in october but you can get out of the playoffs in october as you know the saying goes i'm paraphrasing i certainly understand that i don't think we're at that level quite yet and also let's not forget that the Islanders have one of the best goaltenders in the league. And it's easy to forget about that because they were a non-playoff team by a wide margin last season. But yet still, Ilya Sorokin had the second best save percentage, had 10 games above 500 or whatever it was in terms of wins, and got one first-place Vezina Trophy vote on a team that didn't make the playoffs. So to me, goaltending is extremely important. The Islanders have a fantastic goalie. And do we see some movement throughout the season, some thoughts about moving some pieces? Uh, it's possible, but I'm not at five alarm quite yet. That would be my outlook. We're talking to Arda Ocal of ESPN. And, and Arda, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I think that's the, the calculated way to look at it. We're only six games in. and you know, But I think what adds to the Islander fans' distress is the fact that they don't have those excuses. And, and Chris and I talked about this before you came on, the 13-game the road trip before they open up UBS and the issues with COVID. Now this is just the team. I mean, they're essentially healthy, and this is essentially the same team they brought back from last season. So the question is, 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 it, is it because there's a new coach? Is it a new system? Is it because this team is aging out? And I, I tossed this at Chris previously, and I want to get your take 
and just see what you think. Is is that what we're ultimately going to be looking back? If let's say it stays this way and and the alarm continues, is that what Islander fans are going to be looking at and, and kind of pointing the blame on as far as you know the struggles, or, or are we going to see something out of this team where they can they can come out of it and, and improve on this season? Certainly, when a new coach comes in, that's new systems, new philosophies. I mean, the first person I thought of when Lane Lambert got that job was Matt Barzell. I thought, wow, this could be an opportunity for him to, you know, be completely unlocked the way that we saw him earlier in his career, you know, in that rookie campaign or even just the flashes of brilliance that he was showing. So uh, I, 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 it's way too early to, to, well, first of all, and I don't think that Islanders fans, to be fair, I don't think Islanders fans are doing this. I don't think they're saying, oh, it's Lane Lambert's fault. Like it's already a failure. No, no, no. I don't, I don't think that's the case. It's far too early to judge a coach after six games, right. uh, six regular season games. Of course, you have to give a coach time to breathe and then, you know, what, what, see where the body of work goes and, and, and what systems have been put in place, what, pl- how he has worked with the players, right? Like, like St. Martin St. Louis in Montreal is a perfect example, right? Like, look at Cole Caulfield's production before St. Louis got there. I think he had one goal in like 30 games. And then Martin St. Louis comes in and you see the, the footage of him like working on the shot fake uh, at the top of the circle, circling around, taking a shot. And then you see uh, Marty showing him that in practice and then Cole Caulfield scoring that exact same goal uh, the, ne- the very next game. Like, you know, the, these kind of little things. Like, I'm not saying that we're going to see exactly that kind of thing with Lane Lambert and uh, Matt Barzal, for example. But like those are things like there, there is the possibility certainly exists that Lane Lambert will unlock players uh, like that and, and bring them back to their potentials. So I, I hear what you're saying as it pertains to excuses. Uh, the Islanders had a really rough season. It wasn't just the road trip, right? It was COVID concerns. It was injuries. It was, and, and in the second half of the season, to be fair, they were a good team. Like if it, it, who, who's to say where the Islanders, what the Islanders could have done, maybe much closer to a playoff position or at least battling in the wild card. If they had that kind of production that they did in the last couple of months of the season, the entire season. Right. So the, the, I think that's, the, I think that contributes to the frustration uh, even more so is that the possibility is there. The potential is there. The, the, and the recent success is there too. Right. It's very tough to go, back-to-back conference finals and then miss the playoffs and then start a season in this way, it leaves a bitter taste in your mouth. So of course Islanders fans are going to be upset at what they're seeing, but that doesn't mean that there should be like a, a complete, you know, concern and, and, and throw the season out the window already in October. <laughs> yeah, without question. There's definitely some friends of mine that I've already had to talk off the ledge. I mean, yeah. it's just six Which games. Which that they're true passionate fans, right? It's like, that's, that's exactly how you would expect either a longtime Islanders fan or a passionate fan of any team, really, to, to, to act if their team is behaving like this, right? Absolutely. And, you know, the Islanders are kind of hanging their hat here on, on two young 22-year-old defensemen in Noah Dobson and Alexander Romanov. You got to, at the very least, watch them in that rough game against the Devils. But what have you seen out of those guys so far, and you think that they're going to be able to help in, a, in a, an important top-four role in this defense? Yeah, and and see the thing is, is that remember at one point it was it was what is it a couple years removed that we were talking about Adam Pellick and Ryan Pollock being like one of the top defense pairings in the league, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I'm sure Islanders fans would love to see return at least that sort of bring them back to the vicinity of 
that conversation again, which right now, as we talk right now, that's not the case. But that doesn't mean it can't happen again. But you have two young players, like you said. I mean, I love watching uh, both of those players play. They, I think that they, they, they show a lot of great chemistry on the ice. I think that they definitely... They, when I watch them on the ice, I, I feel like they fit perfectly in today's NHL where they're able to shut down players. I, I, I see them in flashes of brilliance against star players and they're able to match up against them well. And it seems like they have the confidence as well to match up against those players and then get the puck up the ice to let the, uh, to get, to create chances with offense, uh, with their offensive players who are on the ice as well. So to me, when I'm what, and, and listen, I haven't watched, I, I gotta be honest, I haven't watched every second of every right. Islanders game, right. but the, but the, but what I have seen from those two players in particular, I have been impressed by. So if I, when I watch an Islanders game again, uh, and if I have an Islanders game that I'm uh, hosting again, I will certainly uh, shine a spotlight on those two players uh, because they deserve it. Arda, I know you to be a man of many interests, including uh, your uh, high-level gamer. So I ask you this question, and there's and, there, and there's no, but there's actually a little little curveball here. There's no, you don't have to have a viewpoint on this. I was wondering, do you have a viewpoint on the return of the fisherman jersey? I love it. Uh, I now okay. You don't I'm have to be, be defensive no, about no, no, it. No, no, no. That's why I asked. Your I, no, no, no. I had a feeling okay. that you did here's, love here's, it. Here's, I, I didn't ask I you. I have a feeling. Here, here's, I had a feeling. Here's my opinion. Okay. Islanders fans, feel free to come at me if you don't agree. Here's my opinion. <laughs> the, uh, the fisherman jersey was the, on paper, before we saw any of the jerseys, that was the design. Any team in the league that needed a reverse retro treatment, that was the number one design of anything Kansas City Scouts, Colorado Rockies, Hartford Whalers, whatever. We've seen that we, we, we got some really great designs uh, the last, the first iteration. And quite frankly, teams did a great job with this iteration. But to me, the one that absolutely needed the reverse retro treatment the most was the fisherman. It needed to be returned. I wish there was more teal. Same. That I wish I wish the te- I wish teal was the dominant color. To, see, to me, the reverse retro is the colors need to be. It needs to like I I suppose it, I, I apologize, Islanders fans, once again. To me, the prototype for what a reverse well, first of all, let's just call a spade a spade. The the first Islanders reverse retro jersey that was just a home jersey. <laughs> right. like it was it was it was an islanders jersey it was an islanders jersey i could buy that at the store right. like do you know what i'm saying like it yeah. was just a jersey yeah, right to me the the devil's jersey the first one where it was the dominant green to me that was like the literal technical understanding the assignment of the reverse retro mm. because you hadn't seen that jersey before it was the same devil's colors right it was just taking the pr- secondary color and making it the primary so to me that was what the vibe of the reverse retro was is make your secondary and i know it's tough to do that with two colors like the leafs have a tough time with that i get it but like the devils did it great with the green making it the primary etc 
I'll be honest, the devil's jersey that they made here is like very jarring, right? With the, what is it? The Rockies colors. Mm-hmm. It's like, whoa, yeah. like see, it, it's trippy, right? Seeing the <laughs> devil's logo with the Rockies colors, like on paper, it's, it, it feels like it should work, but it's very, very jarring at first. But the fisherman jersey, I am ecstatic that it's back. I love the logo. I think it's awesome. I wish there was more teal. Arda, I'm with you on that. I'm glad that it's back. And it's funny, you're apologizing to just a certain portion yeah, of the fan to base. And that's, yeah, of course. Half, Off the bat, you don't have to do that. The arena is going to be wearing them. Well, that's the play. thing. We, we, I don't think we figured out the, the birth year yet, but there's a cutoff in this fan base where everybody either hates it or loves it. And there's some year we're going to have to figure it out. But the, the youth loves it. It's, it's, the, it's the fans that were a little older and probably, you know, fans that saw the dynasty years and kind of saw how this team performed when this, when this jersey came out. But it's fine. And they're going to they're gonna sell like hotcakes. They're going to sell like hotcakes. Yes, and, and, because and, it's unique and it's different. And, and, and I agree with you. I get it. They, they didn't have their best years on, with that jersey. I right, get it. Right. I, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I grew up in Toronto, okay? The Leafs had a horrible stretch in those 70s and 80s jerseys. You know, the ones with like the, mm-hmm. the shoulder being the blue and, and the, the primary whites with the shoulder being blue and the leaf on the shoulders? Sure. That to me is still my favorite design, despite the decades of futility and disappointment and sadness that me, Arda, Toronto kid growing up, <laughs> endured. I still love that design. Now, listen, we can have a conversation about nostalgia and, and you know, disappointments and whatever. But, like, the other thing is, is that that's part of the team's history. And it's the one thing that, at this point, there's, like, a nostalgic value to it. it you know what I mean? It's like, it's like a reboot of a franchise, of, a, of, like, a TV or movie franchise that you hadn't seen in 20 years. And to me, that's also part of the reverse retro charm, you know? It's going to be a top five, if not top one, a reverse retro sell. 100%. You're right, Chris. You're right. 100%. Top five at the very least. Last one for me. It's, again, in the category of things that I'm fascinated by. In the crease, is it like, is it a sprint? Is it like, it, it, I'll go, I'll, I set what my morning routine is. I put it on, I grab my coffee, I come back. I get it. Sometimes you only have a few games, but it is a really fast pace thing. Is that all by design? Take me inside in, in, in the crease. And by the way, for the fans, I'm talking about the end of the night recap. Basically, you go through all the goals, you go through all the games. There's a little analysis. I would disagree with the press release that says like it's in depth. I'd say it's pretty darn quick. Um, but it's also possible I, I miss an episode where it goes a little deeper. It seems like by design, it's, it's here's your 22, 18, or 34-minute recap of the night. Is that the idea behind it? So, first of all, thank you for watching the show. Let me just say that, thank Chris. Really appreciate it. it. Thank you for, uh, it, for doing it. It's on every single night there's a game. So the only time in the crease is not on, on ESPN+, Plus, is when there's zero games in the NHL. So the whole point of the show is to essentially chronicle every – game that happens in the nhl so the show is not a set amount of time if there's one game in the nhl the show might be five to seven minutes if there's 13 games or 14 games in the nhl the show could be half an hour and the analysis if i'm doing the show myself or if linda's doing the show herself 
uh, the amount of analysis in the show will certainly be less than if we are with, let's say, a Barry Melrose. Or you will see a lot more analysis if, for example, uh, it's the night where, like, for example, uh, I, I'm going to guess, I, I haven't checked the schedule, but I'm going to guess that on Friday, the game you mentioned, the uh, Arizona Coyotes home opener. So that's a late game, right? So that's a 1030 Eastern start. This is very in the weeds here, but uh, we probably will have in the crease very soon after the end of that show. So clearly Barry will stick around, which means that we'll get a lot more analysis. So the, the, the analysis is usually particularly when an analyst is in studio. But like you said, the show is meant to be fast paced. The show is meant to be, I call it hockey center. Like it's, it, it, it's another way to look at it in the creases is very much like you get everything you need as a hockey fan to get caught up as quickly as possible and as thoroughly as possible too. You'll see what you need to see from every game and, you know, we'll tell you who our star of the night is. We'll tell you what's happening tonight and a nice, in a neatly, uh, in a nice neat package and say goodbye. I like it because I, 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 it's the place to, I, I like, I want to see all the goals. I would say show everyone, um, maybe except for like a total blowout. But it, to me, it's like I, 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 I now feel like I haven't missed a thing. So love you guys for doing it. I guess my only quibble with the network would be I just would want them to promote it more. That's all. I use their own platforms <laughs> to promote it more. But I know that's not something you can comment on. Well, you did read it in the press release, so. <laughs> <I guess that's> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> well, Arna, I'm going to give you one quick rapid one here, only because Chris brought up your, your gaming history here, and I happen to be a, a big gamer in my day, too. So uh, I saw your tweet. You, I appreciate the fact that you celebrated the 30-year anniversary of the NES coming out, and I actually mm-hmm. got involved with that one. So you gave us your top four on that one. Give me your number one SNES video game. NHL 94. Without hesitation. NHL 94 is one of the best sports games ever made, period. Okay. My favorite sports game ever made, but one of the, one of the best sports games ever made for many reasons, right? Introduced the one-timer, the fluidity of the play, uh, the first time you had the NHL and the NHLPA cooperating. Like, that's a, that's a, that's, I, if I had my way, that would be an E60. Wow. If I had my way. Now, I, I don't. That's way, like, pay grade's way above me. But like it's like an E fourteen. <laughs> yeah, like give me an E seven, an E an E seven. Give me like six minutes. Let me do a feature. You know, something <laughs> like like if, if I have my way. If you ever see that as a feature, you know that I either like tried my I tried my best, pulled the strings, got everyone together, and it finally happened. Like that that would be a a bucket list for me for sure. The Islanders but like, like a, other games. Okay, oh, go, go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say no, no. Go ahead, please. Well, I was the Islanders. Like a lot of teams are getting involved in the space in a, a big way. Do you have a view on what they're doing? Yes, I think you might know some of the people there. So let's yeah. close with that because we serve all audiences here. Yeah, uh, and the Islanders do a fantastic job with esports. Uh, that by the name of Jordan Zelnicker actually it heads up esports for the Islanders, and uh, he does a terrific job. He's uh, from the esports space. The Islanders hired him specifically to head their gaming operation. So he puts on, uh, for example, NHL 21, 22, 23 tournaments over the years uh, and brings in the best of the best, uh, crowning an Islanders champion, for example, and uh, does other gaming-related content and tournaments and activations during games. Uh, And to me, I love that. I love the uh, inclusion of gaming, uh, particularly... Like, nothing makes me happier than walking around the concourse 
and seeing people play video games before a hockey game because it's like they're engaged, they're laughing, they're having a great time. Uh, and, and I see the positivity of it. And, and it's definitely something that I appreciate teams diving into. And the Islanders uh, with Jordan at the helm is uh, certainly at the forefront of that entire uh, scene. So, yeah, kudos to the Islanders for making that happen and continuing to because uh, it's fun and it's great content and it's uh, it, it creates a great atmosphere and vibe. Well, Arda, great, great stuff. Thank you so much for all your time tonight. I just want to say you did a great job on the MSG Hockey Show. I used to watch it after the Islander games. <laughs> Best of luck with ESPN, and I uh, hope to have you on again in the future. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Arda. See you. You got it. All Bye, right. guys. All right, folks, that was the great Arda Ocal of ESPN. Chris, why don't we take it right in to What's on Tap? And now it's time for What's on Tap. Brought to you by R.J. Daniels, American Bar and Grill. That's right, folks. It's time for What's on Tap. The New York Islanders have three tilts coming up this week. So let's get into it. We already did a little bit at the top of the show, Chris, talking about the New York Rangers coming into UBS Arena on Wednesday night, 7.30 start. Friday, they head into Carolina. And then Saturday, they face the current Stanley Cup champion, Colorado Avalanche. Chris, what say you? Well, I like their chances against the Rangers. It's a, it's a early must win, not even so much for standings, for points, but for attitude, for momentum, for, yeah, for good vibes, dare I say. It's <laughs> yeah. the rival uh, who plays the night before. So then it gets really interesting or extra interesting and tougher because Carolina on Friday in Carolina and then home to Colorado on Saturday Colorado plays the night before as well, too, but the Islanders have a little more traveling to do. So this is a uh, – we're, we're gonna, they're going to they, give us play. They can go 1-1-1, one, one, and one, and we'll still have plenty to talk about the next time we convene. But this is a this is a big week, so what's on tap? A lot, brother. Yeah, it is, it is not an easy stretch. All Stanley Cup contenders coming up here and, you know, going into a 2-4 and four, could be really ugly if they come out of this on, on, on the bad end of things. So, obviously, they didn't inspire much in those games down in Florida, but they really got to turn it around here and, and get some points because it's going to get ugly real soon if they don't. Oh, absolutely. But this is why we play them step at a time. Um, there, there will be jobs. There will be ice time on the line a little bit. You know, he's already made some strides here by sitting Bally, by sitting Beauvillier. Who is going to be next? They are not that deep. I don't see the cavalry coming from Bridgeport anytime soon. But there's a lot to there's a lot to cover here. Yeah, no question about it. Well, folks, that's what's on tap. Rangers Wednesday, Friday in Carolina, and then the Colorado Avalanche coming into town on Saturday. So big six points on the table. We will see how the fellas do in those games. And I think we'll swing it right into here of the week. So here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, when you hear this song, that means it's time for the Hero of the Week, brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Half Price Hero, which this week is The Godfather, featuring Cappy Ham, Genoa Salami, Pepperoni, Provolone, Lettuce and Tomato, Oil and Vinegar, all on a delicious hero. So with that out of the way, Chris Botta, who's your Hero of the Week? Man, that that string section or whatever is really good. It's It's very heroic, Chris. It's pretty intense music. So (laughs) especially since the sandwich is the godfather, when I think of of a few of the godfathers or mothers of 
media and hockey media, I certainly think of the icon, the legend, Stan Fischler. A longtime friend, uh, a mentor to hundreds of people, uh, including me. And it is really nice to see that the Islanders at UBS are dedicating the press box to him. They're naming it to uh, in his name. And uh, what an incredible, incredible honor for Stanley and his family. I know his wife, Shirley, uh, who departed this earth uh, a few years ago, uh, will be looking down uh, incredibly proudly. Uh, frankly, she'll be there right with him. I know how much she meant. She was a journalist as well. And, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty moving just thinking about it. And um, really, really great stuff. So congratulations, Stan. Congratulations, Stan. Great pick, Chris. And, yeah, growing up an Islander fan, always, almost always saw Stan Fischler in between periods during the postgame. Remember some very funny interviews with Ziggy Palfi and just throughout the years. And, and even having an opportunity, uh, the short bit of time that I got to go into the, to the locker room after games and I was you know, covering them uh, for hockey this week back in the day with my brother and Mikey Carver. And I'd see him in there with Evgeny Nabokov and those two just kind of, you know, spitballing off of each other and having a good, uh, having a good rap session almost. It was, it was very entertaining, but Stan uh, was always fun to watch and, and always great to see him get in there and, uh, and get his questions in first to Jack Capuano and start things off. And um, yeah, fond memories of watching him on the Islander telecast. So a uh, great pick there, Chris. And who is your hero of the week? My hero of the week is is somebody that was actually playing on the ice. And there's only really one game to choose from because uh, the last three of the week were no good. They were all losses. But if you rem- if you go way back in history, Chris, they did beat San Jose at the top of the week. It was the day after we did our last show. So this game is fair game. Oliver Wallstrom, two goals, plus three, six shots on goal. Oliver Wallstrom, hero of the week. Arda made a good point about team not starting to play a little better until the second half or in some cases yes. later yes and it made me think that uh, in the san jose game and i know it's it's a tough one right uh, team hadn't won a game san jose hadn't won a game yet uh played a pretty stingy form of defense i saw scott gordon there with uh with david quinn behind wow. the bench and uh, yeah brought back memories and uh, it's another show and uh, <laughs> and you know, that, that that was not an easy game to play. They wound up kind of all of a sudden like waking up and figuring it out. But that's, if you were to, if you follow Arda's theory about slow starts, you could throw that game in there as well. Back to the hero of the week. We happened to talk about while, uh, before that game, Oliver Wallstrom. I think you just got to keep on playing. It doesn't mean let uh you know you know bad play go but he needs a longer leash here like if he he's he's gonna have a game you're not gonna be thrilled with him maybe he just had one in florida don't think about it lane (laughs) play him wednesday it's a good point chris because i was looking at his stats and he's only averaging about 13 minutes a game not a lot well the first game was particularly like just like nine or ten right and you know so uh, and if you gotta play the guy, he he's the one guy on the team forward who can score from places <laughs> that aren't where Anders scores his goals, including his two against. You need that, 
And it's one thing if the skating is just horrendous. If they, you know, and by the way, I'm not saying it. If you, if we're not talking about Trent Hunter here in terms of somebody who like doesn't have the giddy up and you know is that's going to work in this game. Sure, Oliver can do it well enough. Um, I don't know about Bellows, by the way. Go back to our early shows, and I just I'm sorry I haven't believed in Bellows, and I guess the Islanders don't either because. It seemed like he had a good camp and was playing pretty right. well, and now we don't hear from him. Right. So I don't know what's going on there, but figure it out. Same old story with yeah. Kiefer. But I forget. This is the Hero of the Week segment. I bring, <laughs> keep on bringing it back. I keep on going off track. Oliver Wallstrom, good for you. Lane, <laughs> this, uh, John McLean, Huda, my buddy Hoods, do not think about it. Play this guy. And by the way, play him Friday and then play him Saturday too. Let him play this gauntlet of top teams and let him be part of the solution. If it gets to a point where he doesn't go anywhere, fine, but let's not, you know, like, yes, I'm going to say dear friend again, Lauren Henning, Zygmunt Palfi would scratch him from time to time. It never <laughs> made any sense. He's not Palfi. Don't do this to Wallstrom. Let the kid play. To take a quote from our interview with Ray Ferraro, he might be one of the few guys on this team that can score the easy goals. Yeah, or make a little something out of nothing. Right. And we saw that in the goals that he did score. 100%. So, uh, you know, maybe it's this isn't even a consideration, but, and what are you going to do? Who are you going to play over, right? So um, <laughs> give him his chances, give him every look. I think he's the one guy, not counting the guys in Bridgeport. He's the one guy who at just about all risk, you just have to keep on trying to make it work. I'm with you there, Chris. So there you have it, folks, your heroes of the week. Stan Fischler, Oliver Wallstrom, brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Half Price Hero, which is the godfather. Stop in to the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Huntington location, mention Hockey Night New York, and get half off the godfather. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take one more quick break. When we come back, it's time for questions brewing. Then we're going to wrap this thing up. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Miss the days of mixtapes and arcades? Love the taste of a bold IPA or maybe an ice-cold lager? There's a place where all of those magical things come together. Lost Farmer Brewing Company. At 63A East 2nd Street in the heart of Mineola, Lost Farmer combines a love of the 80s and a passion for quality beer to create brews that can only be described as gnarly, radical, and totally tubular. The retro vibe of the tasting bar will amp up your nostalgia while the blend of both local and exotic ingredients amp up your taste buds. Beer not your thing? Crack open a can of cider or a sip of Chardonnay on the extended patio. Order up from the snack menu, you can even bring your own. If you're more of a homebody, pick up a growler to go or order online at lostfarmerbrewing.com. Lost Farmer Brewing Company, the future of Long Island craft beer. It's time for Questions Brewing. Brought to you by Lost Farmer Brewing Company. That's right, folks. It's time for Questions Brewing, brought to you by the great Lost Farmer Brewing Company. Head on in there and check out the killer pumpkin ale. It is that time of year, and it is delicious. So, Chris, why don't you take it away with our first question for Questions Brewing? First question on Twitter is from Brian with a Y, Gil. He says, why do the Islanders continue to switch out their 6th, 7th defenseman on power play two, when they have Ryan Pollock. And what he's referring to is Sebastian Ajo has gotten some shifts there on power play two. 
And to me, it's like almost like two different things. We could argue, oh, who's been all right? But what, is something up with Pulak? I think it's a good question. And I think that would be the first thing you would look at is something going on with him. But it may be something more simply as far as the lineup of the actual power play unit in that Pulak is a right-handed shot. He plays the right side. Aho, Salo, those are guys who play the left side, left-handed shot. So maybe that's just the look that they want on power play two when you're looking at the rest of the guys that are in that that are in that unit. Now, I may be completely off here. That may not be the case at all. But that's one of the things I look at is maybe they needed a left shot based on where they're setting everybody up on that power play unit. Or I suppose it could be something injury-wise. I don't know. It's tough to say. Yeah, I think we'll have to watch a few more games yeah. to play out. If Ryan Pollock is healthy, I would say, like, we just can't be at the point where Ryan Pollock now is not on the power play. It's yeah. too early. I, I can't. I, we just. No, I. That, I, that can't be. I don't know. I don't think that's the case at all, and and okay. that's why it's also such a, a fair question because he has that bomb from the point. He's been on the power play almost since he came up with the team. And he hasn't lost a step or anything like that. So I don't necessarily think, I mean, unless it has something to do with, you know, quarterbacking the power play and they think that Ajo has some more mobility back there. I'm not necessarily convinced that's the case, but all, all I can do is speculate. And I look at it more from a lineup point of view as opposed to anything that Pullock isn't doing on the ice. Yeah, I, I you know, and I'll say guilty as charged in that I saw... Uh, Kevin Kurz, I think, was the first person who tweeted it, pointed out that Aho was on the power play and who wasn't. And I was kind of like, oh, really? But, you know, I'll watch the next sure. couple. I'll watch right. the next, let's watch the next couple games a little more closely. One I want to see is Pollock uh, firing, right? Is he, right. You know, is there a shoulder thing? Is there anything that might go maybe? Yeah. Yeah. yeah is there, uh, and also, why not? So, uh, I know the idea of questions brewing is for us to give you great answers and total <laughs> answers and complete <laughs> answers, but I would say it's a great question. Yes. And let's all, everybody's lesson here, keep an eye on it. Yes, something definitely worth keeping an eye on. And then we have another question also from Twitter, at IslesFan, and he wants to know how long it's going to take for Lou to stop sitting on his hands here. I think he... I think he phrased it a little differently than that, but that was the general problem. Um, <laughs> it wasn't like, he, yeah. He, What's up with Lou? What's yeah. going on here? Uh, actually, let me, let me find it. Robert is, is his first name, Robert K. And yeah, the question was, how long do you think okay. Lou sits on his hands? Okay. The problem here, we talked about this even you know before the season, is there aren't a lot of options. And... Let's also point out that it's really, really, really nice that um, that uh, Dufour got two goals in the game the other day. Yeah. yeah they, 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 but this is amazing. There's going to be a cynical part here. That Dufour mm. got two goals, including the game winner, and, and Ratu got the assist on, on an overtime game winner. Okay. Here's the flip side to that. And Bridgeport's playing really well. Yeah. There, but they've played five games, mm-hmm. and – Dufour has two goals, no assists, and Rod two has no goals, one assist. So, okay. so that clip, which is great, mm-hmm. and these are young, and it's a reminder, and we'll probably say this a lot here, the American Hockey League is the second greatest league or most competitive and toughest league in the world. 
Yeah. Uh, more so than the leagues in Europe. And some people might dispute that. But these players who get 197 points in juniors don't go to the American Hockey League anymore and tear it up. So be a little patient there. To get to your question, Robert, I, I, it's going to be a little while, partially because he doesn't have a lot of options. Where, where you could see a change is, you know, change you know players coming up from bridgeport and there has to come a point where you don't lose any sleep over losing somebody on waivers so if you have to put somebody through waivers to send them down because he's not playing for you you do it so i don't think anything's imminent but by the time they get to they get this road trip where they go to chicago and st louis uh, after this stretch you know we're gonna have a little bit of an idea of you know what lou's got to do the focus is on him this has been, you know, I, I lived this, of course, through the Millbury era and everything else. But when you fire the coach, never, never mind, pretend his name isn't Lou Lamorello and he's been around forever, right? Sure. No matter who you are, when you fire the coach with the idea, you fired the coach because you think your team is better than they played, than they showed. Right. So now it, it's not about Lane Lambert. It's about Lou Lamorello and what happens next with the person who's supposed to put this team together. Lou knows that. Everybody knows that. And... To, you know, we talked about this at the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. Don't think for a second that Lou isn't concerned. Don't think for a second that Lane isn't concerned. Lane does a great job standing tall with the short answers, and I appreciate it. everybody's got their own style. <laughs> He's doing it right, but we're everybody plays a role. This is the entertainment business. Business. Uh, everybody's playing a role. Believe me, fans. If you think you're concerned, I promise you, they are concerned right now too. No, no, no question about it. And look, if the if the losses start to mount, the pressure is going to be on. And and yeah, you wonder if Lou is going to make some sort of knee jerk reaction, or if he's going to be more calculated and kind of wait it out. And and kind of like you said, Chris, he, his options are probably limited right now. I don't know if there's going to be so many things on the table for him to to swing a deal. So, you know, he may just kind of be a victim of his own decision over the summer, and and that he has to now stick with that team that he started to stick with. So, hopefully, we see some wins, but. You know, it's going to be a tough road ahead, so. Yeah, I look forward to continuing to talk about it week by week when I'm here and Christian isn't, and uh, we're going to have some fun. This was great. Arda was great. Yes. I uh, really enjoyed it, and, uh, you know, here's to, here's to a bit of a turnaround, folks. Yes, absolutely, and we did get a few questions regarding the Fishman jersey. We're actually going to table them for our bonus episode where we talk about the Fishman jersey, so we'll, we'll get to those in that episode. But, folks, thanks so much for sending in your questions to Questions Brewing. That's going to wrap it up for that. And, Chris, I think we can wrap up this episode now. Absolutely. All right, folks. want to thank you for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York, presented by Blue Line Deli and Bagels. A huge, huge thanks to Arda Ocal of ESPN for joining us. Big thanks to Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, an official partner of the New York Islanders and the best deli around. Huge thanks to RJ Daniels, located at 2798 Sunrise Highway in Rockville Center, the best place to catch the game when you can't be at the game. And a big, big thanks to Lost Farmer Brewing Company, located at 63A 2nd Street in Mineola. You can follow me on the Twitter at Shawnee Hockey. You can follow Chris Botta at Chris Botta NHL. Yes. There we go. We got it. You can also follow our forgotten host, Christian Arnold, at C underscore Arnold 01. You can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and the TikTok at 
Hockey Night NY. And folks, hey, if you enjoy what we're doing here at Hockey Night New York, please rate, review, subscribe, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, follow us on YouTube and the Twitch. We really appreciate it. For Chris Botta, my name is Sean Cuthbert. We've been Hockey Night New York. We will see you next time.